So we're currently in a series we're calling Fake News, Discerning Truth in a Post-Christian Culture. Now, if you're not entirely sure what fake news is, I have a news article for you that is clearly fake news. You ready for this? Over the summer, a story surfaced on many news sites about the new kids craze, the fidget spinner. Anyone know what this is? If you don't, I bet there's a kid in this room that has one right now. If you don't, I have one. This is my own personal fidget spinner. Now, these things are technologically amazing, I'm telling you. This is what you do. You hold the fidget spinner like this, right? Just like this. And then you spin it. And it spins. And that's it. <laughs> that is all it does. It's amazing. And our kids love these. Now, anyway. The story stated that a 38-year-old teacher in Columbus, Ohio, was in his classroom among his students, and a few of his students in the classroom were seeing who could spin their fidget spinners the fastest. And so they're spinning their fidget spinners as fast as they possibly can. And according to the story, one kid made his fidget spinner spin so quickly that a ball bearing broke loose in the fidget spinner, flew out towards the teacher, hit the teacher in the eye, and he actually lost his eye from the incident. That's your fake news today. It gets better. Because it's the comments that come with these that I love. Uh, one, uh, one very concerned person commented on social media, prayers for the teacher and the student. Let's hope the spinner craze dies out over the summer. Uh, very somber. Another wrote very emphatically, perhaps a little angry, Fidget spinners are basically weapons in school. It is ridiculous that schools allow them. And in fact, all the teachers in the room say amen to that, probably. And then another wrote, it was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time. Now, of course, after doing some research, Snopes and other fake news watchdogs reported that there was no evidence at all to support this fidget spinner story. But it didn't matter because through social media, the story was shared so many times and picked up by other news sources that many, many, many people fell for this story and thought it was true. And that, folks, is what fake news does. The power of sharing creates a sense of legitimacy for these kinds of stories. Now, what's the point of fake news? One, to incite outrage, right? To make us angry. Two, to create a false reality that people actually will begin to live or believe in and live into. And then three, this is probably the truest of all of them, to make money from clicks and advertisements. Because every single time someone opens that story, the person that wrote it makes money. And that's the whole goal. Now, fidget spinner fake news is one form of fake news, but in this series we want to address a different kind of fake news. The kind of fake news that is repeated so often in our post-Christian culture that many of us might just assume that it is true. And here's the fake news. Fake news is cultural truth that conflicts with God's truth. It's cultural truth that conflicts with God's truth. And what we want to notice this, throughout this series is that the Bible in this post-Christian culture has a new relevancy because of this so-called fake news thing. We are living in an age where Christianity's power, we've talked about this, its influence is diminishing, right? 
And with that, new truths are arising outside of Scripture, and it makes the Scriptures even more crucial than ever before. And so last week, uh, Pastor Chuck kicked, this, kicked off the series with uh, the fake news of entitlement in a post-Christian culture. And today we'll be diving into another kind of fake news in our post-Christian culture. But first, we'll get to our scripture reading this morning, which is 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. And Cheryl Koning has graciously agreed to read the scriptures for us this morning. So what we do is we stand, if you are able... And we face the center of the room, and we do so because the, the Bible is the truest news we have, especially when it tells us about the good news of Jesus. So Cheryl, go ahead when you're ready. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than is what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, regard, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Cheryl. You may be seated. Now, when I was in Army basic training, one of my most memorable moments was the land nav course. Now, land nav just stands for land navigation. And for those of you who might not know what that is, land navigation is uh, the use of maps and compasses to find one's way around or to some kind of destination. And, and in basic training, um, basically what would happen is you would receive a waterproof map and a compass and would be told to use the map and compass to get from point A to some unknown point B. And so what would happen is all the recruits would break up into teams of about five to do the course. And then one unlucky person was assigned the job of land navigator. They were the one with the map and the compass leading this group of people towards some unknown destination. And of course, I landed the job, which is unfortunate for everyone else that was with me. Um, and so with map and compass in hand, I began leading my small squad of recruits through the dense forest of South Carolina. And needless to say, it didn't go well. 
at all. Um, the course was meant to be finished in just under two hours. We easily doubled that, easily. It's probably a record in the other direction, I think. Uh, in fact, we got so lost along the way that the sun kind of dips below the horizon and it was dark out, and one of our drill sergeants had to grab his own map and compass to find us. And when he did, he wasn't happy with us. And we did push-ups, and there was yelling, and it was scarring. I'm just telling you now. I still get counseling for that. Um, anyway, but after, but after the yelling stopped, I remember the drill sergeant grabbed my compass out of my hand, and he examined it for a moment, and then explains to me with the loudest, most colorful words I can describe that my compass was broken, which was great. And I've avoided all compasses since then. Thank you, GPS. That's how I feel today. But our scripture this morning is really, it's really about a compass. That's what it's about. It, it's about what guides people. It, it, it's about the truth that we use to get us through life. You know, the church in Corinth in our passage was dealing with a great conflict. Apparently in Corinth, a new group of people had arisen on the scene that were trying to delegitimize the authority of the Apostle Paul for the Corinthian church. And their argument was that Paul was literally out of his mind. That was, his, that was their argument. Paul was crazy. And of course, these people said that they were the ones who had the truth. Of course, that's how it always goes. And, and so our scripture reading this morning is Paul's response to these adversaries. And, and what Paul does in our passage is attempts to explain where his source of truth comes from. Because the church in Corinth was confused. Who were they to believe had the truth? Was it Paul or was it these adversaries? And they were confused. And so the crux of Paul's argument about his source of truth is actually the center of our scripture reading. It's verses 14 and 15. I want to read this for you a second. Listen to this. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now this is quite a wordy statement. It's typical of Paul. But let's unpack this statement just for a minute. So Paul starts out by saying that he's convinced. And what he means by this is that this is the source of, for Paul, of what his truth is. Here it is. This is the center of Paul's truth. This is Paul's compass, the thing that he uses to get through life that shapes his worldview. This shapes all of Paul's decisions and convictions and all the things Paul pursues in his life. This shapes Paul's ethics and his worldview and his reason for what he does in his life. And the thing he is convinced of is that one died for all, and therefore all died. Now, essentially, that Jesus went to a cross and died, and that somehow Jesus' death had significance for every person in the world to the point where he could say that Jesus' death becomes our death. And that the truth of Jesus' death is true enough that we should give our lives to Jesus in return. And Paul's proof for this is Jesus' resurrection. 
in some sense, it's that Jesus' death is our death. And in other places, Paul will write about that the resurrection will one day be our resurrection too. In other words, Jesus died for everyone. And Jesus' resurrection will be for everyone. And our response should be to give our whole lives to him in return. This is Paul's compass in life. Here's my words. That Jesus is the truest truth we have in this world. That there is nothing more true in our world than Jesus and what he did, especially at the cross and the resurrection. And and if we believe this, then it will shape every aspect of our lives and we will dedicate every aspect of our lives to him. This is what we call a Christian worldview. This is our source of truth. This should be our compass that guides every thought and action and decision we make in our lives. But we now live in a post-Christian world. And I think the compass is broken. You know, today our, our primary source of truth has shifted from the truth of the biblical story of Jesus to something else. The source of truth in our post-Christian culture is now assumed actually to not be found out there or in the Bible, but it's actually assumed to be found where? In us, in our culture today. Truth is found in us. And so when we need to figure something out about the world, whether it be life direction or what's right or what's wrong, our post-Christian culture tells us to look inside of ourselves first and somehow that is where we'll find truth. And so in our culture today, we use phrases like, in my experience or from my perspective, saying that somehow my experience or perspective is the truth that other people need first. And so, we lean on our reason and our feelings and our experiences before we lean on anything external, like the Bible or the story of Jesus. And, and in a minute, a picture's going to pop up on the screen. Hopefully not in a minute. Anyone know who this amazing person is? Good, I'm proud of you. I don't know if we should know who this person is. Um, This is a picture of B.O.B. He is a famous hip-hop artist. Now, I don't know any of his songs, but I do know that B.O.B. has made it into the news quite a lot in the last couple years. And the reason is because B.O.B. believes that the earth is flat. He doesn't believe it's a globe. He believes that it's flat. And his reasoning for it, I think, is very interesting. When he goes and he gets on an airplane and they're hovering around at 10,000 feet and he looks out at the window and looks down, he doesn't see the curvature of the earth. So it must be flat. We can pick on, we can laugh, but we process our opinions like that all the time. Our experience and our opinions we use as our first 
source of truth. And I think that means in our post-Christian culture, our compass is broken. Here's the big fake news for us this morning. In our post-Christian culture, that our life's compass is found within us. That's the big fake news. And there are a few aspects of this fake news that I want us to see this morning. And the first aspect of that, this fake news in our post-Christian culture is this, that we should follow our hearts. We should follow our hearts. And this fake news actually is being taught to our kids first. They hear this all the time. You know, the biggest concern for many kids in life, and I hear this from my own kids, is what am I going to be when I grow up? What am I going to be? Am I going to be a firefighter or am I going to be a policeman or a doctor or a lawyer or a farmer? What am I going to be when I grow up? And what does our culture tell them to do to figure that out? Look inside. Look inside of yourself. And if you look inside of yourself long enough by examining your interests and your talents and your desires, well, somewhere in the process of doing that, you will find your calling in life. Basically, follow your heart and your heart will lead you in the right direction. In fact, Every Disney movie for the past 30 years has shared that exact message, hasn't it? In fact, last year, Disney on Ice came out with the title of their new program. And the title, in fact, actually is Follow Your Heart. That's actually the title of it. And the implication is that our hearts are, are these inherently good and trustworthy things. And all we have to do is figure out what's inside of this good and trustworthy heart, and then we'll discover what's best for us in our lives. Essentially, the news is that our hearts should be our compass for our lives. This is fake news. The Bible never tells us to follow our heart, but to discern what is actually in our hearts. Because what we find there may not be all that good. You know, Jesus says it like this. This is from Luke 12, 34. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we place the most stock in in our lives, the things we value the most, our heart will follow along and eventually align with that. It's not the other way around. Following our heart is fake news in our post-Christian culture. But there's good news. And the good news is not that we should follow our hearts, but instead, the Bible says we should follow the crucified Jesus. That's what we follow. You see, when we need to discern something, like our career, like our children are always asking about, the question we ask first is, how do I best follow Jesus in this life? How do I best follow Jesus in my career choice? And we start there. As followers of Jesus, our life compass is not what's in our hearts. Our compass should be attempting to follow Jesus in everything we do and believe and believe in right and wrong and morality and the big story for the world. It all starts with Jesus. That's our worldview. And the way we follow Jesus is by knowing Jesus, especially through his word, especially through the Bible. 
some of us this morning are, are in a season of what maybe we'd call discernment, right? Trying to figure out some kind of next step for our lives. Whether it has to do with retirement or, or our health or a new job or whether we're going to have kids or buy a house or whatever it might be, we might be in a season of discernment. How would asking the question, what does following Jesus look like here? First, change the outcome of what we do. Would it make a difference? Second aspect of the fake news of our life compass being found within us is that truth is ultimately relative, right? You've heard this. Truth is relative is what our culture says. That truth is somehow either too difficult to discern or that truth is only a matter of one's perspective. And some of this is actually justified, right? Um, I've read a couple of journals about uh, science and just how scientists use a scientific method today. And scientists today now believe that virtually any scientific laws or theories are just waiting for the next scientific breakthrough that will either modify current thought or completely replace it with something new. They're just waiting for it. They know that they don't have all the data and when they get more, it could change everything. And they just assume that. Truth is a little elusive in our culture today. And scripture can sometimes feel that way too. I don't know about you. Sometimes it appears that the Bible is contradicting itself or it appears that it's dodgy or silent on an issue or it just seems gray and you're not really sure what to do with that. Truth can sometimes feel kind of relative. But listen to this. Jesus, right before he'd go to a cross, Jesus and Pilate, Pontius Pilate, would have a conversation about truth. Listen in on this conversation. Let me read it. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate retorts, what is truth? What is truth? It's the question that we're asking in our post-Christian culture today. What is truth? Is it relative? What is it? What I love about this passage, though, is Pilate retorts, well, what's, what is truth? While truth was nearer to him than truth had ever been in his life, he says, what is truth? Truth is a person in the New Testament. And Jesus is that person. Jesus, the, the good news is that Jesus is the truth. You know, John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way and the truth in the life. Jesus is the truth in our lives. Truth is not relative Truth is the person of Jesus. And Jesus is the truth that we all need in our world today. One more aspect that I want to touch on. Um, the fake news that our life compass is found inside of us and, that it, and, and here's this. Tolerance is the moral high ground is the fake news. Tolerance is the moral high ground in our post-Christian culture. That if truth starts from somewhere within us, 
then we can't disagree with it. Because if truth comes from within, if I don't agree with your truth, somehow, if it's from inside me, then you're challenging me and my value as a person today. So we tolerate people. In our culture of tolerance, our opinions and our personhood have actually become inseparable. And so we must be tolerant people. And and so the only response in our post-Christian world is to be tolerant of opposing viewpoints. Because if I oppose your opinion or your view on something, in our culture, in our post-Christian culture today, I am somehow opposing your worth as a person today. And tolerance in our post-Christian culture has become the crown feature of what it means to be moral today, hasn't it? If you are a tolerant person, you are a highly moral person. The highest form of morality is to be tolerant, even if you totally disagree with what the other viewpoint is. And really, the lowest morality in our culture is to be intolerant in our culture today, right? If someone calls you intolerant, that's like, that's the worst thing someone can call you today. Tolerance is also fake news. The Bible doesn't call us to be ministers of tolerance. The Bible calls us to be ministers of reconciliation. And there's a distinction between those two things. The good news is that reconciliation is the true moral high ground. Listen to Paul's words in our scripture reading this morning. This is like kind of the second half. Listen to this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, we are called to be reconcilers because we have been reconciled. And this changes the conversation about tolerance because as reconcilers, what you can say is God inherently sees you as a valuable person. No matter what you believe, you are a valuable person that God loves. You can split, you can split that thing back apart from tolerance because our starting point is that what Jesus did said you're valuable then we can point to the truth and we can disagree. You know, perhaps um, this morning you could use some reconciliation. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you could use some good news in your life. Perhaps life is full of conflict or, or struggle or pain or confusion or you're just simply feeling lost. And you're maybe just not sure what to do with that. And you're looking for something to kind of steady you and some kind of truth to hold on to when life seems like a big storm, right? Perhaps this morning, it's the truth of Jesus that you need. If your life is chaos right now, Jesus wants to give you his reconciliation and he wants you to hold on to it. Jesus is the truth 
that we can hold on to in our lives regardless of circumstance. It's the one thing you can believe no matter what in any part of your life. And perhaps that's the news, the good news this morning. That's the real news. That today, truth is not found in us. It's not found in here somewhere, but it's found in Jesus. And it's something we can rely on. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you that despite uh, whatever happens in our life, whether life gets difficult or, or easy or apathetic or passionate, whatever it may be, God, that Jesus is the truth in all of it that we can hold on to. And God, I pray this morning that each and every person in this room, in whatever circumstance they find themselves, God, that you would make it apparent that they can trust you that they can trust Jesus, that they can trust the cross and the resurrection, God, and that it would change every person's life in this room. We thank you for the good news. In Jesus' name, amen.